Today's episode is brought to you by Condition One. While stationed in Africa, U.S. Marine Matt DeMeo faced his toughest challenge yet, his diet. Like many Marines, Matt wasn't eating real food on a daily basis. As a result, he had a constant fatigue and low energy. What he needed was the perfect performance bar, a well-rounded protein bar made from real food, one packed with a full spectrum of amino acids and protein, complex carbs and healthy fats, sustained energy, muscle fatigue prevention, and more. So Matt teamed up with a nutritionist and condition one was born. From shoulders and gym lovers to those with active lifestyles, C1 can help you reach your fitness goals without the dry, chalky taste. And to honor his military roots, every C1 purchase helps veteran nonprofits. Condition One is exclusively offering our listeners 10% off their next online purchase. Head over to GoCondition1.com and use the code POD10 to get your protein bar today. Welcome to Monster Legend Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner. And today we have a great guest today, Mr. Jason Lewitt, writer, creator, director, and producer. Yeah. Author. <laughs> Man, author. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me on, Tanner. It's great to it's great to be uh, to be on here. Um, yeah, it's great to have you on. Yeah, and it's good stuff. And who doesn't like to talk about monsters, right? I don't know. I mean, anybody that hasn't talked about monsters. It's uh well, I think it's a topic we've been interested in as long as, you know, humans have walked the earth, right? Uh, it probably goes back to that whole fear of the dark kind of thing and what was out there. And yeah, you're, you're big cats and we're up in caves and stuff. Oh yeah. Big cats, big bears. You know what I mean? Uh, swimming in all. Oh. Jaws is a prime example when you're swimming you yeah. know, once beneath the surface, right? <laughs> so, yeah, good stuff. So, uh, who's Jason Hewlett? Well, uh, I guess, like, basically, I'm a, I'm a journalist, actually, by trade. I have two degrees. I have one in journalism and one in foundation film. So my first degree was, you know, for movie making, basically. Learned all the, the tricks of movie making, like the writing, directing. That was in the 90s uh, when to be an independent filmmaker was a lot harder than now. Yeah. Everything was on film. It was expensive. So that never really took off. I did some docs and, and some short films. And then I ended up going to actual journalism school. And I was a newspaper reporter for 10 years uh, oh. until our paper shut down. And I covered crime. That was my big thing was crime, the crime beat. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how I got me doing ghost hunting in the show we want to believe over at joe blow horror videos everything kind of my past caught up with me with my interests and boom here we are 
Uh, oh, this um, this past week I was watching those "We Want to Believe" videos, mm-hmm. and they're really good. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. It's uh, it's fun. We've got a good team of people who are, are you know all want to believe too. Yeah. <laughs> they're normal, but they've got different you know. Uh, Pete Wren, who's kind of our lead investigator, he's been doing ghost hunting 27 years all over the world. And he heads um, Vancouver Paranormal, which is like the, it's a government licensed society, but the only real one of its kind, I think, in Canada. And it's the oldest ghost, you know, paranormal investigation group in Western Canada, for sure, maybe across Canada in general. So it, it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, uh, right about, oh, I think Jason was on somewhere. Or you were, and another podcast, and yeah, uh, Cryptid Campfire. I think it was on, yeah, with Eli, Eli yeah. Watson. Yeah, yeah, and I chatted oh a couple months ago with Shannon, Shannon Legro, of course, into the fray. Yeah, Shannon's um, awesome. She is. She's really cool. She's a really cool lady. It's actually what's neat. This whole microcosm of paranormal shows podcasters you know what i mean everybody i've met so far is awesome (laughs) they're all super nice people like which is great it is uh so what got you into like journalism uh journalism was i like to write primarily like as a writer i didn't care what i wrote i just just like the art of doing it and it was a way to kind of get paid to do that for a living because you know writing books is not always easy or viable, but you can get, you know, or, or to make money at it is pretty hard and I need to support myself. So journalism seemed like a good fit and, you know, interested in current events and got the degree and just ended up at a daily newspaper in the town I lived. I actually wanted to get away from here yeah. and figured that the local paper hadn't hired anybody in 50 years who was <laughs> a journalism school and I got to end up the first one. So I got stuck in my hometown, but it's, it's worked out pretty good since. And, uh, I think there's just something really cool about, you know, writing, you know, researching things, talking to people, compiling information and putting it into some coherent story uh, so it makes sense. People can kind of make up their own minds. So that's kind of how that that came about, the journalism angle. Well, what was your time like in film school? Yeah, film school, it was in, it was in, it was a lot. 1994 <laughs> believe it or not when i did that so i was in my early 20s um i didn't know what to expect other than i loved movies and i wanted to figure out how to make them and uh there was a lot of, i was like one of the youngest people in the class everyone else was like had done you know cameramen for tv news and stuff like that so i was i was a noob and but it was exciting and uh the only show really filming that was known that was filming in Vancouver at the time uh, was X-Files. It was in its second season was just kicking off. So we were, we, there's a lot of seeing the X-Files shoot kind of around where we were, which was pretty neat. Um, and it was, it was like a year long program. It was very intense. We made a couple, we made a documentary and a couple short films and learned everything there was to know about making movies at the time, which of course was more analog. It was all film, analog, you know, cut, splice, edit kind of thing nothing like today where it's all computerized and you can fix it as you go along and all that stuff but it was it was neat it was just a very it was a, it's a hard industry to get into now it was even harder then um and it just didn't didn't happen i, I just kind of when it was graduated and took a few shots at things and made some shorts and stuff and it was expensive and it was easy to get disillusioned so i was just kind of like well fuck it i'm gonna go do something else at this point i just don't know how this is gonna work um but it's nice to have that come around now to do we want to believe where it's you know everything is we shoot on digital cameras and 
it's a lot easier to do it yourself than it was back then, for sure. Um, how, how did they like what cut use cuts and edits and stuff and in, in film? But they have to like actually like cut the film. Yep, <laughs> you put it together with tape. <laughs> tape. Oh. <laughs> Hours in a dark. I remember we were made a ten-minute short. And we must have sat, I mean, my co-editor, because I was an editor and so was the other guy, sat for weeks all day in a dark room with like a screen bigger than, like smaller than the computer screens nowadays, just watching the movie, seeing it. Okay, we want to cut here. The director wants to cut here. So you cut, like literally like snip, tape it together, hope you got it at the right point so it looks good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if it didn't look good, you had to do it again. But the only <laughs> film was expensive. So, I mean, it was yeah. like, Eight thousand bucks for like you know two minutes of film. So if you fucked up, <laughs> yeah. to go and do it again was hard. Whereas now, you've always got that digital file, right? And you kind of got the line the things up on the screen, and you can just make your cuts or move it around or lengthen it or shorten it. And it's a lot uh, easier, not easier, but better way of I think making a product now than back than back then. I don't know how. I mean, those editors, man, they deserved every Academy Award they ever yeah. won for doing it. <laughs> Utah, Utah's yeah. crazy. It, it is, because I, like when you sort of mentioned you wanted to talk like, you know, Monster monster Legends of Utah, I'm like, well, I had, I didn't know much about it other than Skinwalker Ranch, right? Because that's yeah. kind of been very much in the public consciousness with books and a feature film. And there was a new, on History, didn't they had a new program? Yeah, Hunt for Skinwalker. Skinwalker, I think. Yeah. Um, and so it was, I started wanting to start doing some digging, but it's kind of, they got a lot of lake monsters there that yeah. <laughs> I didn't, would, never would have thought about, right? And 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 their Bigfoot kind of stuff. And um, apparently at some point, people even released a couple whales into a lake, hoping yeah. they would breed and people saw that. So I, I don't know where you want to begin, man, but I, I'm excited to talk about whatever, wherever you well, want to start. Well, let's start with Skinwalker Ranch. Okay, yeah, so that's a that's an interesting one. I read the book, but just, just finished like a couple weeks ago, the book that by uh, Call Me, Kelleher and then George Knapp. How was, um, how was the book? The book was really good. Um, very detailed because they got to spend, what was that the company called? I can never, I'm glad I got it in front of me <laughs> because <laughs> this is where my, my Saturday morning brain is a bit fried. But uh, but NIDS, uh, which was like, the, I think one of the first really heavily funded scientific groups to look into paranormal investigations were able to buy the ranch um, from the previous owners and spend like three years investigating it. Um, and it's interesting because they could literally just sit and have a t- dedicated team there to investigate all this phenomenon. Uh, so they document that in heavy detail, more detail than I've ever seen in any other book before. Hang on here. I just want to get the name of the family. Uh, sorry about that. I thought I had it on the top of my head. The Gorman family, because uh, they had purchased it. They were ranchers, and they had purchased the. It talks about sort of how the family purchased the this ranch, and even the previous owners. Like the the one thing that they kind of thought was weird is they went in. The previous owners had these big locks on the doors, like on the inside, to prevent something from outside getting in. Well, and they just, whenever they had questioned the previous owners, it was just like, well, for personal safety, <laughs> you know I mean? but not go into any real detail. So it talks about that, and then how the Gormans started. One of the first things they saw was this wolf that yeah, was like, larger. This giant wolf and they try to shoot at it yes and like it wouldn't do nothing and shot at it. 
Yeah, yeah, they didn't even see it bleed. And he would shoot at it with like, you know, you know, a high powered rifle and then a shotgun. And, and this thing didn't care. It would just keep kind of advancing on them. Uh, so that was kind of the first real encounter. And then it just started into like the lights, like the, 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 the blue and orbs in the sky. Yeah. Um, more wolf-like creatures that would actually attack livestock. But what was, what's weird, the couple things that really stand out, the Gormans talked about, was they'd have like a, a you know, a half dozen cattle that they knew they wanted to put into like, you know, a cattle trailer to move it. And they were in a pen. So they were patrolling. He, Tom Gorman and his wife, Ellen, were driving around. They said, okay, we got to remember to go do that. They came back and all the cattle were put into the travel trailer, like just crammed into it in, in you know, like within 10, 15 minutes. Weird. Weird. It's stuff yeah. like that. And then um, being able to see these weird, they could see like rectangular orange thing light in the sky but you could almost see through it into something else uh and they'd see things come out of it into our world so it's like there's a lot of that but once the nids team showed up and started doing investigation they tried everything in terms like audio visual infrared all these different techniques to capture it they couldn't get anything solid but they had lots of what we call in paranormal investigation personal experiences feelings, seeing something that wasn't actually caught. They even had one of these things in the ground and this arm come up. They could actually watch it happen with the naked eye, but it didn't turn up on camera. Huh. And these are scientists, right? <laughs> They're not going to make stuff up, you'd hope, <laughs> to kind of corroborate something that most scientists won't even look at anyways. That's part of the problem with paranormal investigation. Any of this stuff is, you know, hard science doesn't want to take a look at it because of the number of hoaxes and just how you can't quantify it through a hypothesis and a repeatable controlled experiment so it was written the books a lot about that and and how it ties into you know native american folklore and legend of the skinwalker and yeah and just trying to come up with some theory which at the end i mean it's they they present it it's up to you to figure out if you're willing to buy into that or not but it's a good book really good book oh i'm gonna have to read it i have like a thousands of like a whole list of books i need to read Oh, me too. A growing stack. <laughs> what do you think is the best book so far you've read on, on the subject, even just of monsters in general? Uh, anything from like Lauren Coleman. Mm -hmm. I know, they're all good. They're all, sorry to put like, say anything better than anything yeah. else. No, it's true. I, the only ones I've come to realize that kind of um, are disappointing in some way are the stuff about the Warrens wrote. Yeah. Like Ed and Lorraine Warren. I don't know. The more I read about them, the more I think they might not have been as genuine <laughs> as we're led to believe, right? So, yeah. but uh, but no, back to Skinwalker. It was, it's an interesting book. Um, I would really like to go there. <laughs> Take a look at it. I was, like, reading about, like, there's like UFO sightings there. Tons, at least that's what they, yeah, like tons of UFO sightings for like even doc, like, you know, like I said, Native Americans would talk about seeing these UFOs back, you know, hundreds of years ago. So I guess the place is like considered one, it is considered a hot spot for all, but not just for like one, you know, some places are like you get the one phenomena, yeah. not the other. This seems to be like, it's got like poltergeist activity. It's got the UFO activity. It's got monsters. It's got unexplainable lights, orbs in the sky that don't really tie into anything. And it seems, you know, like they say in the book, it almost seems like it's a place where there's a gateway between our world and another dimension, another time, like another timeline, another yeah. something, uh, which I mean, that's a lot to digest. <laughs> you know, someone who's an investigator. 
Oh, it's like a silver, like, it's like a, back in the 70s, there's a little boy who saw like a silver UFO mm -hmm. in the sky. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that. And that's almost like the UFOs that they would see there were of that traditional silver, you know what I mean? Like the round, like you see on all the science fiction movies yeah. almost, sphere. Yeah. Um, it's been on the triangular shaped ones with the many different lights. Um, yeah, and, and just unexplained like lights in the sky moving kind of in unison together kind of thing that maybe they're a bunch of craft or that's like this, the lights on a craft that you can't see, but these are all like, they're also silent. Like it's not like there's a roar or an engine you know, to make you think like it could be like a stealth mm. bomber that someone <laughs> saw, like. That's, that's the weirdest thing about, UFO, like, about UFOs, like how silent they are. Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder how they, like, they do it. That's I don't, it's like impressive. the stealth bomber is pretty quiet, but you can still hear it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't know. And I mean, it, it brings up that question that, I, I mean, I think that's what we all want to know is like, are we being visited by beings from space or another dimension or timeline or is it government because a lot of the ufo sightings in the 50s right. were the russian and the americans spying on each other with spy planes yeah. right is that still what it is and we just taking the technology up a notch or wasn't there like a dog there was like a documentary a couple of years ago about like how ufo or using ufo sightings as like a cover-up for the development of stealth bombers so. Mm -hmm. Well, it was almost encouraged, right? Yeah. And that's, I mean, it ties into the whole Area 51 thing. Like, you know, Area 51 was a test, is still a test facility for state-of-the-art military hardware. So if, yeah, if people believe that it's spaceships, it's a lot easier to get away with things if people are looking for spaceships and not yeah. the newest military toy, right? So, I mean, that's into a whole different conspiracy realm, um, which I, you know, I don't know. I don't get too much into that, but I, it, it does beg the question: Is that what's actually going on? And is even they even touch on that in Skinwalker? Is the military testing stuff there, and so it's to their benefit to encourage this whole myth about it being a paranormal mm -hmm. hotspot, right? Because then everyone's not looking for the military tech. They're seeing, you know, because Gorman at one point in his son saw something which almost looked like they described it like like the Predator. So, you know, you could see it was invisible, but you could kind of make out like something moving. So, and they were like, well, is that a creature or was it the government? Is it like, you know, this new, you know, all, you technology. know yeah, technology to for stealth and combat. I, I, I don't know. It's all out there <laughs> to me <laughs> kind of thing, but I, uh, it's fascinating. It's a really good book. And I, yeah, there's a, actually a movie, I think just called Hunt for the Skinwalker, which is the, the vi visual adaptation, you know, of, of the book and what they they recorded at the time which i'd like to check out um there's a really it's a decent movie it's a fiction movie just called skinwalker ranch yeah. that came out back in 2013 what i that i watched recently and it's loosely based on what's going on there but it becomes this big it's a horror movie so it goes over the top <laughs> towards the end sort of thing uh speaking of like paranormal movies I, last night i watched uh dark skies Okay, yeah, the UFO. Yeah. One with Kerry Russell. What'd you think? Really good. It's really scary. It is, isn't it? It's I, I thought it was a neat kind of reminded me a bit of signs. It was a grounded approach to showing aliens. You know what I mean? Remind me a little bit of um what's that UFO movie from the seventies? Like uh Earth's Counters of the Third Kind. Yeah. 
Yeah, Close Encounters. Except these were bad aliens, I guess, was yeah. the only way, right? And yeah. in Close Encounters, they were just kind of, you know, benevolent creatures kind of thing. But oh, I thought it was really good. I wish it had um, done better. Dark Skies, yeah. it was quite entertaining. So, um, there was that, the, um, what was that other alien movie that came out recently about the squid aliens? Oh, uh, Arrival. That was really good. Yeah, I loved Arrival. Uh, that was, I think, a pretty believable encounter between humans and another another race. And it, it touched on playing with time a lot too, right? Yeah. Which which is the Skinwalker Ranch stuff. That's what the, the one lead scientist determined is he thinks it's something to do with time. And, you know, what we see is how, it, you know, you almost could drop into any different time frame. Like all time is happening at once. So what people are seeing, be it a monster or a or UFO or stuff, is just touching on these different parts of time in a different, you know what I mean? Like maybe yeah. Bigfoot is, we're seeing like primitive man, but he's crossing over into our time and we can drop into, or into his, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which, I mean, that's a, it's a pretty out there idea, but I mean, scientists are already showing that you can, you know, bend time and you can drop into a different time, time frame yeah. that exists co- along with ours so i mean is it that far-fetched that that's an explanation for all this cool stuff i don't know yeah there was like a test done in antarctica but like they're sending like um sorrel stuff come from the sun it's supposed to be coming towards us but mm-hmm. it showed like some of them were coming back to the sun mm-hmm. like a different time reverse you- time yeah, it's weird <laughs> yeah. that's going on, and and you know, I mean, it, I believe it. We have those experiences with deja vu, right? Where it feels yeah. like we've done that before. Maybe it explains that. I think we're so used to looking at things in a linear way. Like I think our brains like to think of things in a linear, you know, beginning, middle, and end. But maybe it doesn't work that way. We're just can't see it yet. Hey guys, this is Eric and Jessica Carrier, the hosts of the Prairie Land Paranormal Podcast, and we are excited to officially be part of the Paranormality Radio Network. If you're looking for a show with variety and are interested in taking deep rabbit hole dives into topics such as legend, lore, conspiracy, and creepypasta, all with a little bit of a storytelling, research, and personal experience twist, check out our show at paranormalityradio.com, fairylandparanormalpodcast.com, or through your favorite podcast player. I don't know. It's interesting to think about, though. It is. I was trying to look, uh, find like stuff more on like kind of skinwalkers, mm-hmm. like from Navajo and legends, but it's hard because like they don't really want to talk about it that much. Well, the whole. Um, it's interesting. I have a friend of mine who married an aboriginal up here and her his wife's grandfather was one of the people that was the guides where the when the alleged patterson film was shot (laughs) and they've got apparently even more of the footage right because what we see as the big classic bigfoot shot is just like one 20 30 second part of the film but was we've been trying to get to talk to her <laughs> go talk to him but they're very closed in what they want to, you have to earn the trust before they will even and they even the guy that the guy that wrote the book said that he had it was tough to get in with the aboriginal community 
is in Utah to talk about it because they just, they're very closed off in the telling of their stories. Um, but I guess the skinwalker is, it's supposed to be someone that's like a witch. Yeah, a witch. With real magical powers that can change into whatever they want. And they're not very nice either. They're supposed to be quite evil. So I, there's, Aboriginals have a lot of belief in, in that. I mean, you got to take it, I, I take it seriously enough in that they believe it like wholeheartedly. There's no second guessing it, right? They just, so, which is interesting. Um, but to get in and talk to and interview them is not easy about it. So what do you think about, what's your opinion on the skinwalkers? I, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, I, I know enough, I think, to respect that if, if a culture believes in something strongly enough, there's got to be something to it in, yeah. in some way, right? Whether it's not, like, maybe it's not supernatural, but it's some form of trickery. Like voodoo is something, if you believe in, in that you've been cursed by voodoo, you, you're going to get sick by it. But if you don't believe it, it doesn't affect you at all, right? Yeah. So I think it works kind of in that way. Um, but I, I mean, there's some people are seeing something and, and it's got to be come from somewhere. Um, I like to think that, it, that all the explanations are a lot more natural than supernatural. Can't prove that. <laughs> if, if I was able to, I think we'd, you know, if any of us could prove any of this stuff was 100% real, we'd start getting a lot more answers a lot quickly, but we can't. Yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, anybody listening? Hopefully, somebody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somebody is. There's lots of people that probably are. <laughs> but, uh, uh, skinwalkers are like a witch, like you said, they're like a witch and they, um, I think they're Can Ari Campbell's. I forget. Yeah, there's there's that quality to it, almost like the Wendigo concept, yeah. right? Except they can shift back and forth. Like they can look like a person like you or I, but then they can yeah. shift into something else. Whereas a Wendigo, once you eat human flesh, you're a Wendigo. Yeah. Wendigo's weird. It is. It's uh it's creepy. I find that's one monster legend that kind of <laughs> I find unnerving in in its way. Probably a good like um like don't probably shouldn't eat people or eat your family or your yeah. friends to go. <laughs> it's a cautionary story. tale. <laughs> <You know? laughs> don't go around eating people. <laughs> like just it's bad, okay? You don't want to be a monster. Like literally. Literally a monster, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, I thought that was like with, with Utah, I thought that was like that almost encapsulates everything there's a paranormal investigator that you look for, right? It's got, it's got mm -hmm. all those different elements to it. But I mean, there's a lot of other, they got like their Bigfoot monsters in Utah as well. And like we talked about earlier in the show, they've got their, their lake, like a lot of lake monsters. Like yeah. it's interesting. Like the bear lake monster, I think. Yeah. Um, and that's the one they also, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Tanner, but they also sound kind of similar. They're large aquatic creatures with like a big head with a big mouth, but they also have legs yeah. like a crocodile. Almost. So it makes you wonder back when these were all first being seen, did someone just actually see a crocodile? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like alarms <laughs> did one get loose and is it was it roaming around or was it something else? But I know every again, every Aboriginal culture has stories of like, you know, aquatic monsters. Yeah, like every like every state of Dance Far, like every lake has like some sort of like lake monster. Yeah. 
Egg, every every single, one. single lake. <laughs> Something, right? I mean, we've got our, our big one up here is Ogopogo in Lake yeah. Okanagan, which is a two hours south of where I live. Um, they do. And even there's a lake that, you know, our family would go to for like decades. But I only recently found out within like the last six months that it had one too. <laughs> it was just never, they never really played it up in terms of a tourist attraction or anything. So, I mean, they're literally, yeah, every lake seems to have, have something. And I, I wonder if, again, was that a way to explain why people disappeared? Water is, is a very... Um, water scary. Water scary. And it's a very powerful, if you believe it, um, it's a conduit for things as well, right? Sure. And uh, we our upcoming episodes of the show, The Barn, plays has a lot to do with water. And we had, you know, First Nations person and even like a psychic say like water is a conduit. It's a way to travel between things or to lure things in. It's also cleansing. It cleans you, purifies you, right? The portal. Yeah. Yeah, a portal from, to something. So maybe that's where these monsters come from. I don't know. Like that's just throwing out, throwing that out there. But it's definitely, definitely interesting stuff. Um, I've never that that being said I've been through I, I love being on the water and I've never seen anything <laughs> in any lake or, or anything like that I've even been to Loch Ness and I have I never got to see a monster or anything like that but it was pretty cool how, how was it at Loch Ness it was great it's beautiful spot yeah, it's beautiful. beautiful spot and it's like right on one of the main roads through so you can kind of get out and look around and it's neat to see a place embrace that yeah. that story like they've got boatloads of Nessie merchandise from books to stuffies to you know what I mean like everything yeah. Nessie and then you know you can do lake tours uh to try to find it to go out and see it um it's just kind of got the big Nessie statue right on the side of the road it it's really cool uh Scotland's a beautiful place anyways but yeah Loch Ness is amazing and it's big like it's big it's amazing how big a lake it actually is so it may, and Loch Ness is shaped very similarly to our Lake Okanagan. So I thought that was interesting too, that both would have a monster and be similarly designed. Uh, bear like monster is like a dragon bear fish thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Dragon bear. Yeah. With like, it, it, it wasn't the one with the horse's head, was it? It was kind of more no. dragonish. Uh, one of the other Utah like monsters had kind of they described as a horse like head, but, but the dragon bear concept yeah at least the dragon head is similar to, to the okopogo of what it's supposed to look like uh, but more of a serpent body than like a bear the bear-like body um then i guess reading up doing my research the 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 navajo i guess would call them water babies and the monsters would try to lure people into the water oh yeah to water eat them. yeah <laughs> just water that's baby. scary like you know something which hence it can you can walk on legs come up and drag you back into the water right so you're not safe <laughs> even on land oh like the water where is the ones where like the water waves are like cry or something and yeah go out there to, to see what it is like you think some kid's drowning or something like that and then <laughs> it gets you that's Wait. that's kind of creepy yeah random babies crying or insanely creepy to me uh, <laughs> yeah I, I don't care where you are. <laughs> like, I have a child. And the, 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 to hear him cry in the middle of the night was creepy. <laughs> in its own way when he was back at that point in his life. But there's an interesting, I don't know if it's so much with the Aboriginal community down in the States, but I know up here there is, there's a spirit that's supposed to lure you 
you're in the woods, it will try to lure you away from your group of people in, in much similar ways with crying or it'll look like a friend of yours and it'll try to lead you further out into the woods till you're yeah. so far away you can't get back and then it gets you and and, and kills and eats you um i believe there's a lot of similar stories like that like with the lonora story and i don't know because there's one story in alaska about it's like mermaid lady like mermaid werewolf yeah yeah yeah. Like take kids and keep her them forever and like suck her youth out of them. <laughs> There's just something wrong about that. Like it's it's I know what you mean. Yeah, but I, I've heard of that too. I can't remember what it's called. Um but I think like these monsters, like maybe that's that they they started off as, you know, partly cautionary tales for people yeah. or to kids, right? About yeah. kids in life. I, I don't know. Like they but every culture seems to have something and they're all very similar. Like, like, yeah, like very, like, what, we're, like weirdly similar for like cultures are like, like hundreds of thousands of miles away apart from each other. Exactly. Exactly. Like China had Bigfoot stories. Kind of, you know what I mean? Gigantopithecus or whatever they would yeah. call it. Like that, but it, the description is very similar to our North American Bigfoot and you know Yahweh is the the Australian equivalent and it's very similar to our you know what I mean like yeah. so there's enough of it all over the world that there's either something to it or everybody's mistaking something for something that it's not you know what I mean but same with like ghost stories and you know all this they're the same all over the world too and lake monsters and sea monsters and I, I think it's all somehow interconnected in some way Ghosts are weird. Like I, I watch like, when, you know, everyone knows what ghosts. Like, I don't know what ghosts are really. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I've been looking into it for for a good number of years, and Peter's been doing it for twenty seven, and we still don't really know either what they are. Right? Yeah. I think that though it ties into. We, we are we are energy right like yeah. we have energy within us and, and when we die we lose six um and so that one hypothesis is that that's our energy leaving the body and going out and just kind of combining with the other energy around us on the world the world has like an electromagnetic field yeah. and that so ghosts are just that energy stuck that becomes part of the electromagnetic field and plays back like a tape recording almost right yeah. uh and sometimes if, if it's more intelligent and you can actually interact with it like it's not just a, a recording but something like this that our energy still a lot you know kind of quote, quote unquote alive and kicking and able to interact with the world around it in some way that makes a lot of sense, makes sense. it is it, it's a theory though we of course we can't prove that <laughs> no one can prove that but that that's the one i think i'm most comfortable with <laughs> oh like i always wonder like why like there's ain't ghosts everywhere. I like, seem to be like anchored to like places and things, people. I think this is where it gets kind of kooky. But I think if it's say if you die in a particular way, like a traumatic way, yeah. um, that will it will then be anchored to that uh, you know a place or a thing or maybe even to to people. Um, but if not, 
then maybe and that, that's the ones that become residual like it's just it's a, a traumatic thing so you're held to that spot um and if not you just kind of go out and they're the ones that can roam for lack of a better word or interact with you um it's something that that, that peter and i touch on in, in the, the book we're, we're writing about stuff is it that, that that kind of bit and that's where the residual comes in and trying to ex start, explain why that some are residual and some are intelligent these hauntings um but again like no no one's scientifically able to take a good hard look at it maybe one day we'll be like there's something a better technology you know how to communicate with them better. i think that'd be cool because what we're using it gets better all the time but we but what we use isn't i mean we use a thing called a spirit box yeah. which uses different radio frequencies and plays them at different pitches and backwards and forwards but the one thing and we've gotten some good like asking questions you got like intelligent responses like is anybody here yes what is your name you get a name but the, in the back of my mind and, and peter's mind and people even on the, sh the team's mind from the show is what if some trucker is just not tuning into that on the side of the road with a cb radio and fucking yeah. with us you know what i mean like there's yeah. just that i can't shake that from the back of my head um the, what the evps that i've picked up that i i find the most impressive are the ones where you're not using the spirit box you're simply using a digital recorder and when you've asked the question when you were there physically you hear nothing but when you're playing it back you're picking something up but you didn't hear it at the time and there's the odd time where i've actually without even the headphones on i've asked something and i've heard someone whispering off to one side but a lot but they're few and far between those are pretty cool uh and if you pick them up also on your digital recorder that's even cooler because you heard it but you also got it but the ones that i really find interesting are the ones where you ask the question you get an answer but you didn't hear it but you recorded it and i think that's again it's a digital recorder it's an electro magnetic frequency right right yeah at least i hope i got the terminology right for that but that's, <laughs> that's yeah. it's but those are those are the ones where I, I feel like i've actually got something of tangible evidence as close to evidence as you can get ghost hunting or you're snapping a picture of something and picking it up i was okay like camera stuff is weird too like they've been using like connect stuff with the trying to find like an outline of people of ghosts in peter's the got some cool pictures of stuff that he's got um that he uses a crystal lens yeah so crystal lenses cannot reflect light so you're not going to get a you know like what jj abrams like you know with his camera flares where he loves yeah. that you don't get anything like that and he actually he has a great story he was at a hotel doing an evp session sitting at the bar no one else was in the room he felt something the presence of something walk up beside him it even smelled like a woman's perfume, but there was nobody there. So he had a, re a remote camera that he could just click and it would take pictures. He fired off a bunch of shots. He got a woman's outline next to him on film. And that's one of his, that's one of his favorite bits of evidence that he's got. As far as he's concerned, there's no way that could have been faked. Like it was, there's no one else there. There's no light reflecting. It was just something that was starting to materialize beside him. Yeah, that makes, yeah. I don't know how else he was playing that. Yeah, I don't. I, I and I've seen the picture, and I'm like, yeah, man. Like, I believe you. You're not. You're not a bullshitter. <laughs> it would ruin your credibility as a paranormal investigator. Um, but that that's something. And I think that's one of the best pictures I've ever seen because you can get mist and stuff, and you can pass that off as whatever, right? Smoke yeah. or, or something. But that you know, is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in terms of a picture of a ghost. 
um did uh, what was it like um in the interview the episode on with the demon jar with the demon jar yeah. uh that was well the jar itself was weird because basically this hotel that we were filming in um has a history i've it's you know i've known about it for years and people have died there and at one point it was like social housing it still is so people have passed away from drug overdoses etc but part of this facility is also a functional nightclub bar sleazy yeah. one but a functional nightclub bar uh and one of the patrons that was in there was an aboriginal man um and he went up to the manager with this vial jar thing and said <clears throat> i caught a demon roaming around okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? and you just keep this and don't ever let it out and so the guy is okay <laughs> he doesn't know quite what to make of that but what he noticed and actually and i saw it and peter saw it and the rest of the film crew saw it is at times they, they taped it and sealed it up just to be careful yeah. there was no water or anything in it but at times it would mist up inside the jar and then it would demist later and be completely clean and i remember when we were filming i even had it and i put it at the end of the bar so we could shoot it and it was completely clean walked off did some shooting came back into the room missed it up wandered away again doing something else come back completely clean again is that paranormal i don't know i don't think so but i can't explain it at the same time it was the guy said I, it was a demon so we picked up demon on the spirit box plain as day even though i don't believe in demons peter is a uh, is an investigator for an ordained exorcist he doesn't really believe in demons either because of the 99.9 percent .9 of the time you can explain it away as a mental health problem or a addiction problem or even just an attention getter um but there's 0.1 percent that there's something going on he believes more and i kind of do too there's more like a negative energy yeah so it's, you know if you're a good person in life and you become a ghost you're going to be a good ghost for lack of better words if you were a murderous asshole in life, you're going to be a murderous asshole as a ghost. And that's more what that phenomenon is. So it was, yeah, the, the demon jar was a trippy thing. Um, and I've never oh. seen anything like that. I'll probably like put it in like cement or something. Yeah. <laughs> I would not keep it at the hotel. <laughs> you know, like that's the last place I would keep it. Uh, so cement, put it in a cement block and toss it in a river or something or a lake yeah. and just be done with it. Right. Um, but yeah, that was that was pretty interesting, and I mean, we we got like lots of good EV, EVPs at that during that shoot, and um, we had the demon jar phenomena, and it was pretty good. So it was a good way to kick things off uh, for the series. Um, except we we got like many people coveted. Um, it wasn't supposed to be four episodes; it was supposed to be less. We wanted to draw it out just in case we couldn't get out and shoot anything else again for a good long time. Yeah. Um, so with what the barn. Uh, which comes out on the fourth it's more it's a tight tight was a tighter shoot it was an interesting shoot but tied in with water and uh we're just doing a good couple episodes out of it mm -hmm. how long do you, like, do you guys like film for how long does the film take we for the demon jar we shot for like a whole day Ooh. like a full-on investigation for a whole day uh same with the barn it was as well um we've got another investigation coming up that we shot like a, for an evening like an overnight almost yeah. an overnight kind of thing um and then right now we're in the middle of filming um 
some Sasquatch episodes. Nice. So we've done two full days of filming and we've got one more to go that we're going to do a little more into the fall. Um, because that's just a lot harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're ghost hunters, not like monster hunters. So it's a lot different. But we, we, we brought along an Aboriginal storyteller who's had his Squatch experiences. So he talks about it. And he actually caught what he believes is a Sasquatch yell recorded. He recorded it. Um, another part of that, we went up to this remote lake with a fisherman who'd been going there for 20 years. And every time when he's out on the water, he gets this one part of the lake, he hears wood knocks. And they start when he gets close. And as soon as he leaves, they stop. So we went up there to see if we could get something. And we got something, which kind of surprised me. All right. Was the landscape out there beautiful when you're doing your... Oh, it's amazing. It is beautiful. And it's, I mean, this is like an hour, well, it's 50 kilometers, but like a two-hour drive up a bumpy logging road to this place that's literally in the middle of nowhere. That some of the heaviest forest I've been in. Like, it was my co- one of the people involved, Sean, who I do from the basement with, and he's our resident skeptic. But he's like, if something like this is going to exist, this is the spot. Because yeah. very few people are up there. You take four steps off the trail and you could be in the middle of nowhere the lake is like remote it's beautiful um so yeah i believe something could hide up there if there is something right yeah if, if there is and like i said we got we got wood knocks um which i didn't expect but in typical monster fashion when you go looking for it in the spot where it's supposed to be we didn't find it but it came from somewhere else like behind us almost like yeah. something had circled back around yeah uh, it was it was neat. It was it was it's been a neat experience filming that because we're used to going into dark, creepy buildings and abandoned buildings and stuff like that, and looking for ghosts. So it's a very different experience to go looking for monsters. Yeah, Bigfoot seems to be like be everywhere. Like, yeah, ev- everywhere, everywhere, <laughs> <laughs> literally everywhere. Uh, and what I think is neat, as you've probably found, is. There's lots of similarities, but like different parts of say the states, you get different looking Bigfoot. Yeah, there's like white albino ones and there's one like skunk apes in Florida. Mm-hmm. And like up in the northeast they're more like rougher, like have like mud all over them. Yeah, and they're more aggressive seeming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in the East Coast, they're an aggressive species. And the West the West Coast ones, maybe it's all the BC bud. They're just kind of chill. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're just sort of hanging out. They're not going to get too mad at you. Um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating just how diverse that community, I don't know what you'd call it, but that that species of monster is. It's, but they're all the same at the same time, right? It's like people in different parts of the world or the country are the same. They're different. Like, and that, to me, I think gives it more credence that it's something. Well, it's weird that like North America doesn't have like a giant ape. I guess. I guess. I guess the closest we've got is <laughs> it's Bigfoot, right? Yeah. I don't know if South America does, Africa does, and Australia. They don't. They're like they're like I guess more like us because they're an island, right? Yeah. Um, but but even like Russia and China and that have their their ape ape like yeah. creatures, Monkeys, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're monkeys. So, but we never did. We had we have bears, <laughs> bears yeah. and mountain lions and cougars and all that. And wolves, which are also European. Yeah, wolves are. I've heard stories about like giant, like black wolves and black dogs. Mm-hmm. Stories all all over the world. There's story. Dogs. There's like a story of black and white dog, good and evil, hounds like hounds of hell. Yeah. Stories. 
well england has their fair share of that like warwick castle has its black dog with but these it has these menacing red eyes sorry yeah. with these menacing red eyes right like it's yeah. um i guess when you think about it monsters can almost be anywhere in any kind of way shape or form right like right. i think that makes it, them kind of cool where did your interest come from if i may ask tanner oh man. i feel like good story i've like Probably just watching like old Disney movies and old horror movies, like the Wolfman movie and reading like a bunch of like Goosebump books and stuff. Mm-hmm. Love stories. And being, Me too. I like being scared. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Actually, right? Like, I don't know if you found this, but everyone I know that is interested in the paranormal also loves horror movies. Yeah. And horror books and scary books. And maybe it's because we do actually like being scared, like, or we want to know more about what's scaring us, yeah. you know? Um, and it's fun. There's like, I guess you read about too, about that guy who's like trying to put two whales in uh, Salt Lake. Yeah. <laughs> to see if he get them to breed. Yeah. But I think, no, I mean, that seems to be one of the stories that was kind of the muddiest to me. Like, because they don't, some people said that they would see things afterwards in the lake. And then others reported that they didn't see a thing. Which I could be wrong on that one. But it, I thought that was interesting. But Yeah, back in the 1890s. Yeah. It was like uh, in Utah and Carr. I know there's a lot and there's what there's the desert something I had a bunch of articles about it yeah the desert desert creek i don't know what it, yeah desert creek desert which creek. was a newspaper i guess it was but um it i guess they did a follow-up on it and like they're very much like eh. <laughs> yeah. we're not so sure about that <laughs> i don't know maybe <laughs> There was another one. It wasn't so much aquatic, but it was like this grave digger, robber guy that they caught who had gone and dug up these bodies and stolen their clothes and stuff like that. And when they caught him, they branded him on his forehead like grave robber and cut his ears off and then apparently set him loose on a raft. And nobody knows what happened to him. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I know, but people saw (laughs) weird things, you know, in the woods and there's a cabin it's almost like a jason Voorhees kind of he lives in a cabin in the middle of nowhere and scares people but i think i love stories like that because that could be that's the beginning of its own urban legend right only rural uh uh, like the do you heard about the like leather man from like north eastern shore he was like a hobo i guess traveled up and down through the area and like a coat made of like old leather and stuff no go around like what is he just like goes around doing some jobs and living in caves occasionally asking for food people weird <laughs> the leather man the leather man that's a cool story it's kind of that's kind of all that's where you get into like like what do you think when you hear stories like you know about these urban legends you know like like the, like the hook man and the, the, the calls to the babysitter um I think I think those are cool. Like in a way, they're kind of like monsters in their own right, just more of a people variety. You know what I mean? 
so maybe they get just they don't taken as seriously in terms of paranormal stuff but i just think it's interesting how those stories are told all over like north america and they're they're very similar as well and and every town seems to have its version of it or, or a variation on it the hitchhiker yeah yeah right or the the lover's lane where someone you know don't go there because something bad <laughs> will happen to you The Lover's Lane story happened after his name, the Zodiac. Well, there's the Zodiac was one, and then there wasn't there. There's one like it was it in Texarkana. They made that movie, uh, the town that dreaded sundown. About it, but that apparently was a real, something real that happened as well. Not like to the degree that it was shown in the in the film, but that there was a guy who killed people on Lover's Lanes and stuff. There's a cool doc. Uh, called Killer Legends, which touches on it's one of the ones that. that yeah, I need to like it's another thing. I have a whole list of like documentaries I gotta watch too. Oh yeah, me too, brother. <laughs> so it's hard to keep up with all of them, right? Like, I'm a big fan of the uh, the small town monster stuff. Oh yeah, that Seth Breedlove really does. It's really good, um, and I think he. I like how they approach looking into these it kind of here's what we know this is what people are talking about now you can make up your own mind and that it's something we try to do with ours too like not really present yes this is what it is but here's the, this is what we know here's what we know i like the story i like that way it approaches things like i only like narrative like i'm trying to tell you what it is mm-hmm. documentaries i like i really like that well no because especially like what was there there's one i think was it finding bigfoot yeah where the guy just refused to dis- to not, you know what I mean? Like he wouldn't yeah. let go, even if someone came up with evidence to the contrary, he couldn't let go of it. And I don't think that is the right approach. Like, I think it was more like a, like a, not like a really documentary, more like a realistic narrative, I guess. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that was sort of how he was approaching it kind of thing. And I mean, I get it. If you believe strongly in something, you're not going to want to, stop <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> for no real reason but i i don't know i i just but i'm like you i'm the i'm the kind of person who likes to have a documentary where here's the ideas this is what we're talking about and that you can figure out at the end what you want to believe about it um first i found something about like fairy folk in utah as well fairy folk <laughs> yeah. i thought that was more of a uk thing what what what's the what's the skinny on that um, it's in philosophy. Like gnomes, I guess. Okay, little people. Do you find like a lot of legends about you little people in the world about cultures? They're big. We 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 talk about them a lot up here, especially again. It's a lot of it comes back because the Aboriginal were the first people over here, right? And they have a lot of those stories, and they believe like that Bigfoot and the little people—they're all part of this kind of other race that exists with us and in the forest and they go into caves you know at night kind of thing or come out at night more back in the daytime and the little people are almost like the scouts that go running out and look for things and they'll kind of lure you people they they take people and they lure people back into the caves and you become their slave and uh, time travels differently there Again, playing with time, right? So you could go in there and it might feel like you're in there for a night, but if you ever leave that cave, you could be like an 80-year-old man and just cack like that because you've been in there that long, right? 
weird. Yeah. That's, time's weird. I think about time a lot. Like, time's really weird. You think about it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I try not to. Because <laughs> <laughs> it just it becomes a whole different ball game, right? But it's... Uh, I, th- I think there's something to it. I, I like this whole playing with time thing. Like, think of your life. Like, I know for me, I'm, I'm in you know I'm in my 40s, and now I have a lot of trouble remembering things from my 20s, even though it wasn't that long ago. I have trouble like remembering like yes like stuff from yesterday. Well, um, yeah, <laughs> I've become one of those people. Like, I, I these are my reading glasses, and I'll go looking for them, but I'm looking yeah. for them while I'm wearing them. Yeah, because I forgot that I had them on. <laughs> you know, like. But I think yeah, time, sunglass- looking for your yeah. sunglasses and be like on top of your head. Yep. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I, I don't know. Uh, but I think time is interesting. What do you think of, um, you know, John Keel, who wrote Mothman Prophecies, his his thoughts on these being ultra terrestrials, all this stuff. And they just adjust what they want to look, what they look like. Like they're exactly implanting this, these images into our heads. Yeah, or, or they'll take on a form, like they'll look like a Mothman, or they'll, they'll look like a Bigfoot in their craft. Because, you know, when UFO sightings through time have changed with the times. So we yeah. see space age technology as these UFOs, but back in the day, they were like these flying Zeppelin blimp things. You yeah, know what I mean? Cigar, like metal cigar shaped Yeah, objects. tubes. So is that these ultra terrestrials projecting what we could conceive? And then as time goes on, they project it differently and they come through as different beings that look different than us and they exist in a different plane of existence he seemed very big on that whole different plane of existence thing it's possible i don't know i don't know because i don't know what the what's possible but and nor do i (laughs) i think that's something we do we don't we don't know right like what is possible we only use what thirty percent of our actual brain capacity, or something yeah. like that. And our our vision compared to like other animals is like kind of not that bad, not the greatest. No, which is why when you see like like they they believe pets see ghosts when we don't. You know, when your dog or cat is just staring at something in the corner and its hackles are up, and you're like, what, what, what's wrong? You know. Yeah, and there's like one that one shrimp, you no, know, like a whole like spectrum of vision that we don't have. Mm-hmm. The man is, was it the man is free? Right off the top of my head. But, but no, I, I agree. I, I agree. Like we're, we, we aren't using all of our senses like we used to. Cause we live in, you know, we live in places where we've got electric heat and light and all that. And we apparently had a lot more evolved our senses and even like our sixth sense that people talk about when we had to survive in caves and out in the woods because we had to survive so we're using all this more and there's no natural light so we were a lot more in tune with whatever's going on around us that's maybe not normal but paranormal but now because of the way we live that part's shut down because we just don't need it as much and there's some of us who tap into that a bit more than others very interesting if there's like studies on it going on right now about like senses and how the brain work. Well, yeah, I, I'm sure there's stuff out there. I, I just remember reading a book called The Occult by Colin Wilson, and he dedicates a whole chunk of the beginning of it to that. And then he talks throughout the book how, as we evolved and our belief in the occult and paranormal evolved, that it changed. You know what I mean? 
and to fully get life, we should start tapping into that more and accepting that more and we get a lot more out of life. What do you think about like the term paranormal? I mean, I think it's a, a thing about it a lot. I think it's like unfair. Well, or, it's become kind of a derogatory term, hasn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like what? I, I don't know what paranormal. Like, because we don't understand it, does it mean it's like abnormal? I guess. I'm thinking that's how it works. Like, there's normal. Well, normal, which is yeah. what is the, the believed by mainstream society, which I don't put much credit into us as a mainstream society. So I don't think it's good to. How do you define? Remember, Mulder even said that on the X Files. How do you define normal? Yeah. Um, but paranormal is yeah that anything they just can't explain they haven't explained yet I think where you like think about like a few centuries ago from which this right here would be paranormal what well, we're doing because yeah. I'm in I'm in Canada <laughs> you know and you're not <laughs> but we're talking like in real time we can see each other yeah. we'd be burned as witches probably if we claim to be able to do this. If you like weird and strange history as much as I do, then I have the podcast for you. I'm Jason Horton, host of Strange Year. Each episode, I break down the strange history and cultural happenings during that year, like 1977, the wow signal, 1963, three tramps theory, 1844, the Millerite movement, 1997, the Phoenix lights, 1896, the shortest war, 2004, Benjamin Kyle, 1518, the dancing plague, 1985, the move bombing, 1972, remote viewing. So to get your weekly weird history fix, pause the podcast you're listening to right now and subscribe to strange year wherever you listen to podcasts i trying to think about it a lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i think yeah. all of it I, I think the answers tanner for everything is there we just have to be willing to keep looking and, and not be closed-minded about it yeah right I'm going to be open minded and also we can't let our, our eagerness to find the truth cloud you know stuff that is you know just become believers for the sake of believing i think that enthusiasm is dangerous too like you kind of yeah. got to come at everything skeptically so oh, that's my personal thing so should i be like open but not naive yeah that, that's a good way to put it open but not naive about it right like i i've investigated with people with where anything was taken as pure hard evidence that it was, <laughs> you know, that it was a ghost or it was a para, something paranormal in origin. Whereas you could explain, like nine times out of ten, you can explain it as a natural occurring phenomenon. Yeah, like wind, like house wind. settling, you know, poor insulation, <laughs> you know, passing car, trucker on the side of the road with a CB that's messing with you, you know, like yeah. for entertainment, open window or leaky pipe or something you know well, I had, if you got time i have one interesting little story that ties into that Where? peter and i were investigating this this haunted house like literally an old haunted house in the middle of, of february when it was minus 35 out and it was windy Oof. we were in this room it was a kid's room it used to be a kid's room because this is a historical site so it had these turn of this like late 1800s dolls you know the porcelain ones that look really creepy oh, all the worst ones the worst all the worst ones. this room was full of all the worst ones man and we had had about you know ten minutes earlier we'd actually had a toy fly off a shelf, uh, like for no explainable reason. So we were already oh wow like this, there's something happening here. And we were over by this window, and suddenly I I heard like this like ooh sound like Sir Tilden was like what the fuck? I said Peter and I'm like he's like what I said I heard did you hear it? 
and he went back. He has a digital recorder that you can keep recording and play back at the same time. And he listened and he heard it. So we both are standing trying to figure it out. And suddenly it went again like this kind of thing. And Peter's like, holy fuck, that's like right next to me. Like, oh my God. And so we're all like, just like, wow, this is actually happening. And then we heard it again. And then again. And then again, all near the window. So we started looking and there was like a hairline crack in the window. Yeah. And it was, you could feel the wind blowing through whenever the wind would yeah. blow and feel in your hand. And that was causing the sound. It sounded like a ghost. Wow. But you, you know, if we were totally like, yeah, it's evidence and just get out of the room, but you got to look yeah. and start ex explaining. The, 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 the toy came off on completely the other side of the room where there was no way that not something could have knocked that toy off a shelf. So it was, we believe that whatever it was, was moved by something in the room. It wasn't the wind from the, the window. But the wind from the window certainly made it negotiates with ghosts. I'll be creepy. I'll be, I'll be it was creepy. creepy. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was creepy, especially because we actually had other stuff happen that we couldn't explain away in the room, but that one we could. So we couldn't count it as evidence of anything. Um, Did anyone like, what was the story about that room in particular? We don't really know because it, it, we don't know. Like it was, there was a family that used to own it before this heritage society took it over and it was just it was the kids room and they the family had just left the stuff there to show what a kids room might look like back in you know the late 1800s um there's been stories with, that someone had died there you know we don't know if it was a male or female um and we picked up an evp of a person named tom and we didn't look back and there was a tom that was one of the former owners of the house so But did he, or I guess he died there, I guess. Must have. Maybe. Or or he liked the place so much, he just decided to come back. <laughs> you yeah. know, after he did that, you know, and sometimes, you know, things do, spirits do just kind of pass through. They don't have to stay connected to a place yeah. unless something really bad happened that kept them there. So, um, it was interesting. Are you familiar with the, oh, I kind of worry about talking about, about Henry at all? Henry? Henry? What's the story of Henry? He's like a haunted doll. Okay, like an Annabelle sort of thing, or yeah. I don't want to talk. This creeps me out talking about it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something about dolls, right, that are just kind of kind of creepy in their own right, and you attach a, a a ghost to it or something or an evil spirit. I don't know. But even Annabelle, because it's tied into the Warrens, I don't know if you can even believe the real stories about Annabelle. It's scary. And the fact, I think the, the actual Raggedy Ann doll is creepier looking than the doll they used in the movie. But I guess they couldn't get the license to the Raggedy Ann doll to use it, so. Kind of like, is that Raggedy Ann doll based off the, what's that orphan? Little Orphan like, Annie? Annie, yeah. I, I think it's, it's somehow based on that, that whole idea. I think so. I don't know. It, I remember the, as a kid, there were like Raggedy Ann and Andy books and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, but I, I, I don't know where the, if the origin one rig, originated from the other or not. I know Little Orphan Annie was a movie and a comic strip and a thing. It was well before my time. Still a great movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. So I, was, I won't go to Utah. It's like just to take some pictures and stuff. 
Oh, I'm with you. As soon as they, they open the border up you know, yeah. and stuff like that, I'd like to go down too and see if I could find Skinwalker Ranch. I don't know if it's marked anywhere officially on a map or a calendar, not a calendar, like a map or GPS or Google Earth. There must be, it must be somewhere. I'm sure if you Google, I wonder if I could pick it up on my phone. Hang on. I'm going to try an experiment here. See if I can find it. Skinwalker Ranch, historical landmark in Utah. Yeah. It does come up on Google Maps. Nice. That's pretty cool. Well, it's sold. As soon as I can, we can travel, I'm going. <laughs> Go check it out. Um, do you find anything about red-haired giants in Utah? Just let me just go back here because I found a bunch like the North Shore monster, mists and real, old Ephraim, monstrous grizzly bear that actually did terrorize livestock owners for a decade, killing as many as 150 sheep. Oh. Bear Lake Monster Bigfoot. With Bigfoot, there there's ties a bit into the red haired. I mentioned some with red hair. So maybe that's the same thing, do you think? Or maybe. It's like back from like they found some bones, I guess, back in the eighteen nineties. And uh see the sun claimed to be Call to be 11 inches in diameter and the feet 19 inches long. Hmm. Some tools, pottery, and copper items were found in the area. Along the most curious find was a necklace that had three copper medallions adorned with a full of writing. That's cool. Well, could be like a really big guy, though. You know? It could, yeah, it could be. And I mean, there's there's a whole belief pattern that the Bigfoot's just a bear. People are seeing walking on its hind legs, which is rare, but they do do that. Yeah. But I don't think you can account every single Bigfoot sighting as a bear on its hind legs, considering, you know. Those bears are kind of skittish, too. Yep. Yeah, they are. And some of the Bigfoot stories, they're the complete opposite of them. They're quite yeah. aggressive and, you know, um, will come at you. I mean, one thing I want to try on our last filming date is apparently if you play the sound of a baby crying in the woods it'll bring them out I want to try it but I want to make sure I'm right near my truck yeah. <laughs> so I can get out of there just yeah. in case <laughs> the rest of the team isn't quite so keen for me to try it actually so we'll see what happens we terrified like a whole like squad of them show up oh god I couldn't even imagine that <laughs> Oh no, it's a bad idea. There's no baby, there's no baby. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> Don't want to get beat to hell by a Sasquatch, that's for sure. Or like they're super intelligent and they're like, like, yeah. like a conversationalist. <laughs> Could you imagine? I think then, yeah, like that would be fantastic. <laughs> I got so many questions to ask. Like, why, why, why would it, why, like, why don't we think we're smart for? Because we don't wear clothes? Exactly. <laughs> Why are y'all wasting time wearing clothes? Like, you know, just have, grow hair. 
easier to clean. Save a ton of money on you know clothing and laundry bills and all that kind of stuff. What do you think about UFOs? Well, that Sean's our big UFO enthusiast. I mean, I I think obviously there's enough out there. People are again like there's something to it. Um, I think it would be naive of us to think that we are alone in the universe, um, and that there's there aren't races that are more developed that could come and visit us. The question that I would ask is, well, why then are they coming here, and uh, why don't aren't they just you know? And hi. Hey, here we are. Let's 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 chat. Um, I think a lot of stuff. I think I still am a big believer in the the spy plane theory. Yeah. That's just part of the countries spying on each other. But at the same time, people are having these experiences with stuff that does seem extraterrestrial. I mean, how do you explain the greys and the abduction stuff? And the, I think there's so much more going on that it can't just be an elaborate hoax. Um, perpetrated by the government of course like the abduction stuff like big uh, spike in abductions after like mk ultra came out was happening yeah yeah right and i i mean they're very similar to to um you know sleep paralysis and you know those stories the old hag that you know there's all these different sleep paralysis stories yeah the old hag the hat man shadow people yeah where i mean i mean i've had sleep paralysis it's not fun and it's terrifying but i don't think the ghost was coming in or an alien you know they never turned into that kind of thing yeah um it's not it's not a good time at all um but i think i don't know like maybe it's a combination of stuff you know maybe we are seeing spy planes and maybe our beings beaming themselves in from another dimension or another planet too and maybe the government does know about it and they just we're pretty skittish as a race like if suddenly yeah. someone came up and said yep they're here i think a lot of people would lose their mind <laughs> you know what i mean and not able to handle it yeah definitely like like you're saying with like an idea like a kill was saying about uh after idea of like images in our heads or i think there could be like the ufos are aliens themselves like they're be organic well and that's even something in the skinwalker book like there's these orbs that they said definitely weren't like a craft but it worked with an intelligence and it would interact with people and i mean it was even they claimed responsible for killing dogs that were chasing it and trying to catch it and so yeah some of that maybe is just a different species you know or or being a form of being that's just there and it's interacting with us, right? And the only way, in the only way it knows how, and even in sometimes they hypothesize maybe it's scouts for other stuff, you know, coming and taking a look first, and then we come ripping in. And I think first is like, yeah, like you're saying, I think it's stupid of us to think like we can be the only thing, only planet with life in the universe. Yeah. come on, <laughs> you know, like. And I mean, there's so many stories around the world that tie in that seem so much similar, like all these different kind of religions that are similar enough. Who's to say it wasn't just people, you know, they thought, you know, God above, well, UFOs come from the sky. You know what I mean? And maybe that was it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, <laughs> maybe we are a colony. Like, we're the Australia of some other planet. I, I don't know. Yeah, there's like the idea of like ancient 
lost civilization that like Atlantis and yeah the Mayan temples and their ruins and all that they just disappeared all up and vanished maybe they got back on their ship they're like now nah, we're done here yeah it's like, weird about like pyramids and stuff too like all like the Aztecs and Mayans had like a very similar structure with like Egypt and stuff mm-hmm yeah, it's oh. similar enough, right? Like, but they were on completely other sides of the planet. It's weird. Like, maybe, I don't know. How come is it, isn't it, like, how come isn't it like a dome? Yeah. Or, <laughs> <laughs> maybe they just like pyramids and shit. I don't know, like, you know, or stuff that looks like that. Maybe it's just easier to build. Makes sense. Yeah, could be. Domes would be hard. I mean, even if you build domes out of blocks, you kind of got to make them curve. You know what I mean? Like it would be, yeah. I used to do build Allen block walls. It's a lot easier to build a flat, straight wall than a curve one. You know, I don't know. Do you think uh, Skinwalker Ranch is like that? What's that triangle place in the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah, it, and there's also like other parts in the world where there are like these hot spots, and I think. Like Bermuda Triangle is a whole other beast altogether. Like their science has really taken, actually taken a good shot at trying to prove that it's a natural occurring phenomenon from underwater. But I think that there's places on the planet, like Stonehenge, you know what I mean? There's other one yeah. where these all those lay energy lines are supposed to collide or something and they're just stronger. And maybe that's how this stuff is allowed. Again, tying into Earth's magnetic field and electro, you know, electromagnetic energy. And these places that are high in it pop more than others. Yeah, it's like, um, like the electric magnetic field like affects us. I heard about stories about certain like houses, like the electric magnetic field there would like make you feel like weird. Yeah. I've been in houses that make me feel completely off. You know, oh, you yeah, me too. Sick. Like I, like I, some places I'll go somewhere. Like it doesn't happen very often, but. I go somewhere. I'm like, I don't like it here. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. You just, it's, it's not fun at all. <laughs> I'm know? like, I don't know what it is, but ugh. yeah, it's that uncomfortable f- sensation that you're left with, you know. And some people take that as a sign, like you know, for hauntings that this place might have something not good there. It just feels off or sad or or whatnot. But maybe the EMF readings are too high. Although they haven't come up with a measurable form of EMF when you start to get those feelings. You know what I mean? There's not a consistent rate. Even that causes hallucination. Maybe the like they take more samples, I guess. Yeah. Maybe like a I'll say I don't know, like how to put it. Like, um, like more samples to it. Get a consistent basis. When and that's what they seem to be having trouble with is measuring it consistently. It seems different in different uh, places. I don't. I don't dig too much into it. We don't use EMF readers that much anymore like vancouver paranormal as they used to because because that inconsistency like peter like the the one the place where the dolls were there was no emf at all and we were having stuff happen that we couldn't explain so maybe um i need to figure out how to hide it or something yeah maybe (laughs) (laughs) then it's smart it's smart maybe i don't know what's going on right Smarter than us, even. So the next episode is on the 4th? Yeah, uh, September 4th, we drop, uh, we start a new investigation with a brand new episode uh, called The Barn. 
And the first episode of the barn is called Bloody Hay and Sights. Uh, and it'll be up at Joe Blow Horror Videos that morning around um, between 9 and 10 Pacific. Uh, so noon to 1 Eastern. Uh, we're pretty excited about it. It's a whole, it's, yeah, it's it's very different than if you've seen the Demon Jar. This is very, very, very different. A very different kind of experience. And we're, we really like that every investigation we've gone on has been different enough so that the show doesn't always seem the same. So, yeah, it'll be good. And I hope people check it out and, and like it. I'll watch it for sure. Thank you, sir. Well, uh, have to keep going. But you got work, <laughs> <laughs> Tanner. You got you unfortunately got to go to work, but I thank but, you for your time today and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was where good. Can, and I look forward to it. So, where can people find you? Uh, you can find for the show, uh, we are on Facebook, so you can just search out We Want to Believe the series and it'll come up. And if you actually now just Google We Want to Believe, there's enough stuff coming up. We're building nice. a website. I'm on uh, Instagram at jhewlett72, so J H E W L E T T 72. And on Twitter at Jason Hewlett seventy two. Nice. I will make sure to link that in the show notes. Awesome. I can even send you some stuff if you want, like anything you might need. When do you want to put this up? Uh, should come out on Monday. Okay. So, happy Monday, everybody! It's Monday, by the way. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, Saturday now, but (laughs) I still have to like. Oh, Fargo. How do you like deal with like hard cuts? Because I know, like, I'm fixing to do like multi camera thing here, mm-hmm. set up here here soon. So how do you like deal with like hard cuts? Because uh, there's a delay when I switch cameras. Ooh, um, see, our, a lot of our stuff is done in post, right? So yeah. afterwards, but I mean, you could just. It's just like, it, what do you use for your editing? Like, uh, some free software I got. What's called like the split something, okay. Um, let me find that out. I'll ask um, Jason, who's our editor, what he uses, and that might be the way you know what I mean. Obviously, you don't yeah. want to spend thousands of bucks for like a you know, film editing thing, but what would be a good, easy editing? I mean, even if you've got like um, iMovie, yeah, it's pretty good, it might make it just a bit easier. But I mean, when you're doing sort of a dramatic shift in in, in image, it's going to seem a bit not as abrupt. smooth, anyways. Yeah, abrupt, right? abrupt. It's going to seem abrupt. But that, I'll see what I'll ask him what he would recommend. Thank you. All right. Well, have a good day. Thank you. You too, Tanner. Thanks very much, man. I really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Monster Legend Podcast. You can find most everything you need to know about Monster Legend Podcast at monsterlegendpodcast.com. There you'll find the social media feed, episodes, and where you can subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. It's all free. It's all available on your computers and mobile devices. So check it out. And thank you. And share with your friends. And don't be afraid to ask me any questions in any comments or a voice message.
which you can find in the link down below in the show notes. Thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.